that I kind mean, of sweet. I mean, Cher just released well. a Christmas album. Surely that's really? right up oh your street, Fran. Yeah. I should pick that. I don't think I'll hear that. <laughs> Waking Nightmare, that's what that is. Okay, hello listeners and welcome to episode 70 of Picky Bastards. Um, we're 70 episodes in, so I've entirely run out of witty things to say at the start of the podcast. So I'm just going to go straight in and say hi to Sam. How are you doing, Sam? Hello. And hi to Matt. You okay? Hi. I'm good. There was... yeah, you... You'd never really said anything witty anyway. I'm always witty. Just, uh... <laughs> you sounded really depressed when you said hi then. I hope you're okay. Um... Uh, I like to keep you on your toes. Yeah. Mix it up. We probably just warn everyone that Matt just told us the building next to him is, is slowly being demolished. So if you hear any loud crashes and bangs, that's all it is. Um, please don't worry. So anyway, <laughs> this is it's the miserable <laughs> music podcast in which every month we talk about four recently released albums, one classic album that none of us know, and then one of us introduces an artist or band that we love in the Why I Love section. The recent releases this month are Cherry Glazer with I Don't Want You Anymore, the Streets with The Darker the Shadow, The Brighter the Light. Sampha with Lahai. Did we decide that was how we say it? Yeah, Lahai. I think so. Yeah. Wilco with Cousin. And the classic is DMX with It's Dark and Hell is Hot. And then I'll close out the episode by telling you why I love Hooray for the Riff Raff. So let's look, get going. I've got a couple of questions to kick us off. Matt, which album most reminded you of something else? Um, so I'm going to start us off by talking about Sampha and Lahai. Mm. Okay. Um, and specifically, this most reminded me of um, James Blake. Um, and specifically, the thing that I was picking up from on this is it feels like a very anxious album. Um, it's full of this anxious energy. It's on edge throughout. Um, and so that kind of energy is very present within, I find, James Blake's albums. Mm. I often find listening to both, well his music, and in case this album, to even if it is quite rewarding, to be quite energy draining. And I found okay. it uh, quite, like after listening to this album, it wasn't something I was looking forward to listen to again straight away. Um, that said, um, you, you do have these kind of lots of beautiful soulful moments throughout it. It's just, I guess, the juxtaposition of them next to this kind of freneticism I think uh, the song Suspended is a really good example where there's kind of this relentless symbol with like a hi-hat in it that's going on, going throughout and, and the vocals are kind of like breaking um, but it doesn't stay in that kind of space for too long um, and then you get some like really like beautiful vocals as well in the chorus and so it's just you, it doesn't feel like it's sitting still. It's like you're spending time with mm. that friend that you have who can't sit still <laughs> and wants to move on to the next thing the entire time. Um, I feel like the out- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that friend, so it's yeah, relatable, yeah. but Fran, Fran works. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, the, on, quickly. The, the album as a whole is, it. I think for me, it wasn't everything I wanted it to be. But mm. I like it a lot. It's I I got similar feelings after we listened to No Name uh, last month. I, okay. I came in with very high expectations, and it it wasn't like they disappointed me, but they also didn't blow me away. After such exceptional albums, I I, I wasn't like it wasn't like Little Sims afterwards, where I was like, ah, oh, damn, <laughs> they mm. dropped the ball. 
this mm. was like they've delivered something and it was really really good i just don't think it's as quite as good and i don't know you make something of such a high standard i get excited and i build it up in my head it's going to be the, the next transface tra like going to be a transformational uh the next mm. the next time as well and it isn't quite that but uh as as a whole it's a great album it's engaging um i just uh yeah lack the killer moment interesting okay sam where'd you land yeah i was gonna answer my other question with with this album but i can pick oh. something else i can yeah keep, i thought it was keep, the keep, obvious one for the sec for your keep, question keep so. the illusion <laughs> we can keep the illusion going but for me it it's very it feels very simple my like reaction to this album i i, I think this is his best music ever um mm. i think it feels like every podcast now i'm sat here going one of these albums is absolutely incredible and I, that's the same this time I, I was amazed by how good this album is um i find it quite weird that you felt kind of you'd, you'd built it up and it didn't live up to your expectations matt because for me i i feel like i sort of had done the same and this has even ex excelled them i i i think the opening half of the album is so dreamy and so the vocals you, you said about suspended that Samfa's vocals are some of the the most kind of engaging, but also the most like you can pick out when Samfa's singing a song, and so clearly he has such a specific type of delivery, and that's why his voice has been on everything for the past mm -hmm. decade longer, and yet it's it feels like to me he's the sort of artist where like it's been like six years or seven years, however long since the last album. And even that was like, it took ages to finally come out. It feels like we only get an album when there's like something worth doing. And I feel like the quality is so high throughout this album and it's so interesting and engaging. I think this is really bold. This album, I don't think it goes the places you expect. I think it manages to both be quite introspective and small in places, but also really daring in the way that it it does it. I feel like the second half of the album, it, I really enjoy that it kind of takes you to like more of a, a different style with the, the kind of production. I think they like can't go back and only and uh, what have you hypnotized me? I really like the way those songs are really layered and the way his vocals sit in them. Um, yeah, I I I think this is an absolute dream, and I I really 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 like this album a lot. Um, from very first listen right through to every time, I, I really want to listen to this every time I finished it. So I don't know what mm. you're on about, Matt. Nice. Okay. <laughs> well, the nice thing is we're starting with a bit of disagreement. Um, I I don't know. I kind of I have some mixed feelings about this album. I found it quite a strange one, and I don't mean that I found it a strange album in terms of the music, but it just left me with some really mixed feelings. Um, I feel like when I'm listening to it, I kind of get what Sam's saying. It feels like a big, big album. It feels like one that's probably going to be Mercury nominated. It feels like it's one that's going yeah. to be really lauded. It feels like it might be a bit late in the year, but it feels like it's the kind of thing that will be on a lot of end of year lists. I do think it feels dynamic. I do think it feels fresh. But at the same time, it's, it's a bit like Matt, although for, I think for different reasons, as soon as I got through it on the playlist, I never really had any inkling to go back and listen to it again. 
And I think if it wasn't on the playlist, I wouldn't have done. Um, I think it will be really critically adored, but personally, I, I do find it a little bit forgettable. Um, I think you've both mentioned Suspended and you write about that song. I think that song and Spirit 2.0 are the mm. ones that really stick out for me. Yeah. Um, but then I've heard the album probably 10 to 12 times and, and they're probably the only two songs I really remember. I, I struggle to pick out another chorus or a lyric to highlight. I think like maybe it's a little bit samey. I also think maybe the fact that Sanford's been on every single record we've ever covered on the podcast <laughs> has slightly dulled his impact as an individual. He's on everything all the time. But there is, I don't know exactly what it is, but there is something about this album that just means it hasn't really grabbed me. Um, even if when I'm listening to it, I, I think it's quite good and I think there's some really good moments, but I can't really imagine listening to it again. So not a massive success for me, but yeah. Still think it is quite fresh and interesting. I don't know. Maybe I need to come back to it in a year, but. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that it maybe needs just more time. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we should say we've rushed. We've had to rush this playlist a little bit more than usual, but it's kind of still. I think, I don't know, there's something that didn't quite grab me in the same way as his last one for sure, and a lot of his features as well. I think Sam, we've gobbled, gobbled on, and hope, hopefully given you enough time to think about an answer to the next. Oh, question. there's a, there's only one other answer, so you can ask okay. it. Okay, which album felt the freshest, Sam? So I, I feel like there was only two albums on this playlist that feel fresh to me Mm -hmm. um and the other one is the streets the darker the shadow the brighter the light the reason it wasn't going to be my answer is that the other side of this the thing doesn't feel fresh because i can't hear mike skinner and not and not feel like i'm in the current year it just is (laughs) the to me i'm transported back to like those first two albums and like Mm. life in the country then and that's how i think of him so because i haven't really been that invested in him since really um so yeah i'm kind of conflicted on the album overall though um i i find his delivery on like recent music quite jarring and like tipping over to like it's it's just a couple of steps away from being that like irritating Mm. sort of speaking that I like makes me not like artists like Yard Act and Sleaford Mods and people like that but I I feel like he he delivers it in a way that is still something I can get on board with and I can engage with but I do think musically this is a really really interesting album and a really exciting album and I like how music led and song led it is um I feel like the streets kind of sit in this like center point of like UK rap, but like poetry, but a bit of like soul and then a bit of like alternative here and there. And like, and I enjoyed the influence of like dance music on this album a lot. I really like the like drum and bass moments and things like shake hands with shadows or kick the can. I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. I think troubled waters is probably the peak of the record. And I really like that. It feels like the whole album builds to that moment near the end. Um, Really kind of explosive production, um, but like delivered with kind of this, this energy. Um, I I also really like the sample samples in a lot of the songs. Uh, Like the title track has like quite a heavy sample throughout it. Um, 
But then at the same time, I think this thing that stops me from being like, this is a really, really good album is that I don't know what it is about the mix with his vocals. Um, yeah. it's see, it, there's just something that's off with it throughout. And I, I think it kind of pulls me out a little bit. It, it sort of sounds like the rest of the song is there. And then they've, sort of stuck his voice on top which i know that sounds crazy because that's literally how music works <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't feel like he's performing with the rest of the music if that makes sense i, I don't know i don't know if that even i compare it to the k tempest yeah. album from last year and i feel yeah. like k tempest really integrates into the song and integrates into the music that was there surrounding vocals and surrounding like speaking I, d- I just don't get that here and i don't know if it's because i have that vision of like mike skinner from the first few albums i, d- I don't know that's well, just I think, what i think um, back. yeah i think i'm just just i'm not like uh, i'm not going to get too far into my notes here but i think um it's partly because mike skinner only has one tone and one and one way of performing really doesn't he whereas k k tempest can vary things a little bit and I think maybe, like, maybe. whatever tune you put behind Mike Skinner he's gonna sound like Mike Skinner <laughs> I, I, doing just, I, weird, I do I do think there is like it? a production thing that that I, I don't mm. know what it is I'm not like a super like music person in that sense I don't really know but there was something Probably. off that just the throughout the whole album just sort of stopped me from going like yeah this is really really good mm. don't know all right, I'll I'll jump in because I'm, I have to sure, change sure. my notes slightly because a big part of mine was saying that I was really interested in hearing what Sam had to say because I actually thought you didn't really know the streets from before. Whereas I, I know that me and Matt have both been fans, and I was really expecting you to just rip into this album. So I have to just delete a few of my notes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I I found it quite hard to measure whether I like this album because it's actually good or whether I like this album just because I love Mike Skinner. Because I do enjoy this album um, quite a bit. I didn't really like the mixtape he did a couple of years ago, and I reviewed that, and I, I, I thought that was just pretty dull and uninteresting. But I think this, and you've just touched on some of this, Sam, this is a pretty varied album for The Streets in terms of its sound. I think even in the first four songs, we have a bit of drum and bass, a bit of techno, we have a slow burner, there's a really dubby song. So I think it's like definitely stretched his influences over the years. Um, and I also think that at times... It is reminiscent of some of the best stuff from his heyday. I think I think you mentioned Shake Hands with Shadows as well, and I think that's that's almost good enough to be on those first two albums. Not quite, but almost. Um, and I think that the good thing about him having that limited delivery style we were talking about is that he, he does sound as good as he ever did, even if the songs aren't quite as good. But yeah, one of the reasons I really thought Sam was going to slate this album is because it is absolutely littered with ridiculous lyrics, really bad <laughs> rhymes and terrible one-liners. It really is. Um, there's the one at the start of a song, I can't remember what song, but when he talks about every home has its own aroma. Yeah. Oh, that's and I'm bad. Just like, Mike, come on, like, don't start the song with that. Maybe slide it in halfway through, but come on. But I, I do think for fans of Mike Skinner, that is part of his charm. He's always done that. He's always had some shitty lyrics. He's always had some, you know, the whole song about some money in the back of a television. And, you know, he's always been a bit weird in that in that sense. And I think that's that's part of his charm. But, um, but yeah, that part of it did hold this album back for me. That was the thing that kind of um, 
didn't quite push it over the line to being a really good Streets album because I think it um, it doesn't have a lot of lyrical depth and the lyrics a lot of the time are either a bit straightforward or a bit shit. Um, but it is a really welcome return. It's fun. It's got some genuinely good tracks, which I didn't really expect it to have. Um, so yeah, it was a better better than I thought it was going to be. Um, and actually my sister and my niece went to see him uh, in Nottingham a couple of weeks ago and I've seen some video and, and he looks very tired. Um, <laughs> he looks very tired. That's all I'm going to say about Aren't it. We all? He looks very, very tired, but I kind of wish I was there. Um, but yeah, that's the street. Oh no, Matt, you haven't talked about the street yet. Go for no. it. No, I just want to skip over. Well, I don't have, I don't have too much to add. I have this same existential crisis over this album, over about whether it's my nostalgia or whether mm. it's actually good. Um, but I, I, like on reflection, I think this sums up the kind of post first two album Mike Skinner. It has everything good and bad about him within this mm. album. Um, I do think it's his best album since the first two albums, um, yeah. and I did enjoy it a lot. But there's yeah, there's a stretch of like two songs for me, which with Kick the Can and then Each Day Gives, which Kick the Can I think is as could be. It's a little bit lower tier, but it 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 is up there with like some of the first couple albums worth of stuff. The beat is simple, it's hooky, and it works for him in the set. The way kind of I think Sam is mentioning with the vocals actually fit with the uh, the way that the track is built. The topic is kind of has this melancholic nature to it, uh, and there's kind of lyrically dexterous poetry in it that is funny and has good one-liners that aren't stupid <laughs> Occasionally. um and like they, they're they actually yeah they're actually fun and but clever and insightful all at the same time and then the the next song is like he just has this repeating motif of this where he says in it a lot um <laughs> and like his attempts at rhyme and one-liners within that song don't work and the 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 structure just doesn't click. The lyrics aren't working. The beat just doesn't feel good enough. It just feels like the whole song shouldn't be on the album. It should have been left mm. or should have been worked on more. Like there's probably something in there, but it needed a lot more yeah, work. And he's very tired, Matt, remember? So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's <laughs> the sense I get from a lot of his previous albums. Cause I've listened to most of his albums. It's he just, he needs to be more, judicious with cutting stuff because <laughs> mm. he does have some nuggets he still got it it never went away it just he didn't know how to edit yeah but but yeah it's definitely i'd be really curious to hear someone who hasn't heard the streets listen to this album and see what they think i think yeah i don't think it'd go down that well if i'm being honest I feel <laughs> like, like... yeah <laughs> like if, as as this kind of album like what are you what you're comparing it to in like the UK scene, you're probably comparing it to like the rap albums rather than mm. a spoken word type thing, or or the, the those bands like Yard Act and Sleep of Mods. I don't think you're comparing it to them. I yeah. think that's why. Yeah, I agree. I think it would be an interesting thing because it is. It still stands out as quite different to anything else. I don't think there's any, much like this exactly. And that's maybe why we can talk about this so much. Mm. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing is when it came, when he came out at first, it was like it was different and it was weird and it was. I remember playing it to some friends and then being like, "What is this shit?" And then six weeks later, they were like obsessed. And I think, it's, but I think because then he was really on the pulse about what he was talking about. It was what was happening. Yeah. For yeah. us today, whereas this, if a new person comes to the streets at this age and he's talking about everyone's living room stinks, then. Yeah. They're not going to get the same thing from it, are they, at the end of the no. day? And I think that's... But I think, you know, it's a nostalgia thing. And it's kind yeah. of why I asked that first question, actually, because I thought you might think it reminded you of when the streets were good, Matt. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's still, it was decent. It was decent. I'm going to stick with you, Matt, for the next one, because you've been telling us for weeks how um, you live in Brooklyn, so you know everything about DMX and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've saying that. Pass to you to talk about the classic. Sure, I'll talk about DMX. Um, I think this was this was a really interesting album, and so just to add the preface of that, I just hear DMX a lot. A lot of people okay. in my neighborhood will sit by their cars, or they'll have speakers out, and they'll have a couple cans of beer or a joint or something, and they'll be hanging out with their mates. And DMX is fifty percent of the time what's playing playing. Um, it's not other artists which are typically associated with Brooklyn um, it's not artists like Jay-Z or Nas it's uh, it's DMX um, and so it was really interesting to actually like because the songs being played are like Rough Riders Anthem which is featured on this mm. but then also like X is going to give it to you uh, and, and stuff like that and so the majority of this album I hadn't really heard or like actively listened to before. Um, and and so, yeah, like he has a tone and like a depth of voice, which I found really commanded attention. It felt like uh, it was, I, I spent a lot of the time like comparing it to um, Jay and where mm -hmm. like Jay-Z feels like this slick and effortless uh, kind of charisma. There's a similar kind of there's there is charisma and just as much charisma I find within DMX, but it's this kind of strong and forceful nature to him. Um, that said, throughout this album, I was kind of going backwards and forwards with like how much do I want to? It's like it's very violent the whole thing. Mm. Um, the topics he's talking about is a lot. Um, and it does feel like uh, it, it feels almost like a document documentation of of the violence and his struggles with it and his place within it and his struggle with it all. Um, but sometimes it is a bit too much for me. This, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, but I think it's interesting, like what Sam was saying about. Um, voice and th things match i think the music and like the way the album is constructed around him everything matches perfectly i think it's the the beats and his voice sync up and match his flow and the way he um or like orchestrates himself throughout the songs uh, is really well constructed or at least considered um apart from the Phil Collins sample, which was <laughs> first time I listened to it, was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I was hugely surprised to find that this. I I assumed this was like a cult classic. I had no idea it was like a number one album. Yeah, um, and sold and was massive and stuff like that. 
Mm. Um, from my incredibly brief look on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I like I enjoy, I enjoyed listening to the album, but it was a like it was a lot, and it what and it definitely isn't necessarily subject matter for me. But it was uh, mm. interesting to listen to it nonetheless. Cool, cool, Sam. What do you think? Yeah, I I share a lot of feelings with Matt there. I think I probably enjoyed it overall a bit less than mm. you did. Um, mm. I I I think this album shows its age quite a lot. Yeah. I think we've listened to other like hip hop albums from this decade and like this era that I think are have kind of proven to be timeless. And I don't feel like this is one that is that. This feels very much, at the time, I get why it would have been really, really popular, but I don't feel that it's something... Like, I don't really... Maybe maybe I'm not looking in the right places, but I never really see this alongside those other greats of the... Like, as an album of the genre. And I feel like listening to it, I, I didn't get that sense either. Um I think he is a really dynamic performer. I think he holds it all together. And I, I completely agree with you that like there, there's a sense of like through the album, he's in full control and he's the the reason it all exists, basically. And, and the production around him works really well. But I, I was kind of the same that for me, a lot of the times, a lot of the lyrics kind of, are, are quite difficult to to make it through and make go back to it and think I'm going to listen to this again. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I I thought I was going to enjoy this a bit more than I did, um, and mm. it didn't it didn't grip me as much. I think maybe I'm just too much of a Jay Z fan instead. Maybe I'm like trying to get like I, I can't I can't I can't get on board with other rappers. Maybe that's what it is. Um, <laughs> none of them I'm, I'm causing beef but um yeah don't do that yeah i don't know it, it just well, they, didn't they it were didn't, friends anyway, didn't hit right? yeah I, th- I think they were i think they've done songs <laughs> together um yeah it just didn't hit me like i thought it was going to um yeah fair enough well yeah inter- it was an interesting one for me because i was quite surprised when i picked it and matt started talking about how popular he still is in brooklyn because when I was really into hip hop, and that was around the time when this album was out, particularly this kind of hip hop, there was an element that really saw DMX as a bit of a joke. Um, you know, like Ja Rule, the way Ja Rule was spoken about. Mm. It was a bit of that with yeah. DMX. It was like, he's got this deep, growly voice, and, and people thought there was not that much more to him. Um, X Gonna Give It To You that, that Matt mentioned, which isn't on this album, was the song that really was big at that time. And it did feel a bit like a novelty track in some ways. But then I did keep seeing this on lists. Every time I was looking for a classic hip-hop album to bring on this, this would be one of the ones mm. that was always mentioned. So I thought, you know what, give it a go. And, and having listened to this, like, no, not in any way does he feel like a joke on this album. He feels like a very serious artist. It's quite a dark album. It's quite an aggressive album. And there are songs that sound like hits. I think Rough Riders Anthem stands out as the one that sounds like a hit. And it, I've started going to the gym again this month, and it's been a really good album to just, like, work out to it's that kind of like aggressive um driving sort of album so in some ways i was pleasantly surprised but 
I think the thing that made it not really stick with me is I do think it just gets quite boring. I think it's quite long. Yeah. I don't think it varies very much. I think the themes and the songs are pretty consistent. They, you know, that's you can say Rough Rider stands out, and there's I think there's another one I can't remember the name of. Um, Get out, me dog. That stands out because it, it feels like it ups the tempo a bit. But it, yeah, in the end, it kind of ended up feeling a bit like a cipher for me of like all the mediocre hip hop I used to listen to back in the day that I thought was really cool. Um, you know, there was the big stuff that followed NWA. There was Snoop and Dre and Tupac and Eminem that really were doing interesting stuff. And then there was all this stuff that came underneath it that just didn't have the per- the personality. And this is probably a little bit better than things like Obi Trice and The Game and even 50 Cent. Mm. But I do struggle to see how it belongs in the same conversation as sort of the likes of, you know, Snoop and Dre and Tupac. Mm. And you guys have mentioned Jay. I'm, I'm not, not as big a Jay fan as you two, but I don't see this belonging in that same category, even though it looks like a lot of lists do. Um, so yeah, in the end, I felt a bit mixed on it. I do think it has moments. And I'm not going to go into the lyrical content because you guys already have, but um, but yeah, it just didn't didn't really stick with me. Just felt a bit dull, if I'm being honest. So yeah, not the best classic, yeah. but certainly not the worst either. No, no. Okay, so I'm going to stay on. But who should I talk about? Cherry Glazer or Wilco? Sam, choose one for me. Oh, either, either. either. Honestly, that's not helpful. Get them out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as it seems like you don't like either, I'll talk about one that I did quite like, actually. Um, So I'm going to talk about Cherry Glazer. I don't want you anymore. Um, So everything about this one suggested that it was going to be another dud pick from Matt. It's got an awful album cover. (laughs) Cherry Glazer has a double R at the end for absolutely no reason at all. Um, So I thoroughly expected this to be awful. But I, I didn't think it was awful at all. I actually really quite liked it. It might have been my favourite on this list. Um, wow. I, I think she's got a really interesting mix of styles. I think she's not that easy to pigeonhole. I think like there's occasionally some really heavy guitars and drums. I think she's got a, a good, interesting voice. She can belt out a chorus. I think Ready For You is a good example. Um, and she's, yeah, she's not like a genre hopper like some of the artists we cover, but she does have a lot of different sounds and she fits nicely in between a few different sounds so i think um yeah and and yeah again another reason i asked matt about what it reminded him of of an album that reminded him of something is because this reminded me a bit of war paint who i'm a big fan of i think the song soft like a flower yeah might be my favorite on the album and and that's very war paint um that isn't to say i like this as much as the early war paint albums i don't but i do think it is similar um and then, you know, for some of the songs, I've got a bit more of an emo feel and I'm not as into them, like Touched, with my, touched You With My Chaos. But I don't think she goes overboard. Um, and I think there's bits throughout it that keep even those songs interesting. Like, I think there's some strings at the end of that song that sound really good. Um, and I think the song Golden's really interesting. It's got the brass instruments that that give it something different. And yeah, there are, there are songs I like less. I think sometimes it's a bit more straightforward pop. I think Wild Times I didn't like at all. But I was impressed. I mean, I don't want to give the impression I'm going to really return to it or spend a lot of time with it. But given the album cover and the double R, it definitely exceeded my <laughs> expectations. And the fact that Matt covered it, picked it, you know, that always uh, makes me worry. But yeah, I quite liked it. So yeah, I mean, we know what Sam feels. So let's leave Sam to last. What yeah. do you think, Matt? Okay. I, I really like this album. It's it's 
comes as no surprise i think it's um i like yeah i'd heard that it's i'd heard a few songs of of theirs beforehand and i'd quite liked them but it was they were all been quite straightforward rock albums but i'd heard this one was a bit more ambitious um and i agree uh it, it had a lot of very variety to it it feels like they've gone away and listened to a bunch of like bedroom pop and mm. incorporated a lot of those thoughts and structures into some of their songs um but then even though they have these kind of poppy elements they kept a lot of that kind of they didn't really ditch the scuzz or anything anything like that there's plenty of like dirty grimy guitar guitar riffs mm. in there as well and so it, it kind of ticks all the boxes for me really um and it just i found it really enjoyable very catchy i had like a lot of the times after listening to this i'd get to the end of the full playlist and i'd have songs from this album which is the first album in the play playlist stuck in my head um and so it was kind of overriding a lot of the other stuff um we covered um so yeah it's i would I'd, I'd go as far as saying it's one of my favorite things we've covered this year um, wow. and definitely definitely the best of this type i think um, Interesting. and so that's also giving giving you some uh some uh, leniency to slate off all the other stuff we've covered that i've suggested <laughs> which is of a similar genre <laughs> I'm like fair enough, but this one, this one is good. Yeah, I'm with you, Matt. I'm with you. Let's yeah. let's hear why Sam isn't there. Yeah. Sam hates it. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't I don't understand what's happening. Um, the, <laughs> to me, this album is it's so all over the place and does so many things, and yet it's such a non-event. Like we jump between all these all these different bits. Like there's like rockier moments, and then darker sections, and then this. And every listen, I emerge the other side and I'm just, I just feel nothing. I feel nothing towards it. <laughs> and I think the main reason is I just think the vocal delivery and her performance puts me off pretty much entirely. I, I feel like a soft, like a flower, something like that. I think in the hands of a band that can pull that off would be really, really good. I think the song itself is not the problem. Mm. But there's really so really underwhelming. It's like it's it's like a band that's like rehearsing and they they're just sort of going through the motions. I don't I don't get where it's like the energy's there, but no one's actually giving it to anyone. Like I don't so I don't know what I'm supposed to be getting from this as an album. Like the the dreamier moments like uh, eat you like a pill or um, I picked out Golden as well. I think musically there's some interesting things going on. But it, to me, it always sounds like a band that's kind of like doing weird versions of like other people's songs. I, I don't get any, I don't get any sense of who they are, what they are actually doing, and and any sort of like identity. I don't know. I I just didn't get it, and I I'm I knew that I would like this the least, but I didn't mm. expect both of you would like it as much, or at least that Matt would like it as much as he does. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, it being one of your favourite things that you covered this year surprises me slightly, but, um, yeah. well, okay. Not I like a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, do you want to talk about Wilco? Yeah, Cousin? talk about a non-event. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was very boring. I felt like, 
I, I like I've tried to listen to the, some of their stuff in the past, and nothing really stuck out, apart from maybe a few songs from uh, their famous album Yankee something something. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Yes. Yes. Um, but this this whole feel thing feels like they're just very tired, and I don't know if that's. I feel like the same about everything that they've done. <laughs> But maybe mm. more so about this than anything else I've heard. Um, they all just seem like they're tired of being there. Um, <laughs> this kind of a mid-tempo dreariness and everything kind of blurs together. And I don't know. I think may, I, I like to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like they're talking about like a lot of stuff going on in the world, I think. And <laughs> they... That could be just a reflection of the subject matter. I'm also tired of the world and how fucked up it is. <laughs> and so maybe it is just world weariness. And it's like, I also looked at their releases and it's like their sixth or fifth or sixth in like eight years. What so maybe, it? yeah. So it, to me, it just spoke of an album where they're just like, we're just going to keep churning them out and maybe not spend too much time thinking about it. Um, because we can still we can sell albums, we can go tour, we can keep doing our thing, and we'll just keep doing this every single year. Mm. Um, so I don't know the opening track I liked, but that's <laughs> that felt like a false promise. That opening mm. track has some interesting stuff going on, and then everything else after that, no. So okay. yeah, none of them. Let's keep up the negativity with Sam, I suppose. I mean, I completely agree. I think, it, yeah, non-event is right. I, I think I had, like, high expectations of this. Like, knowing the sort of bands that I've kind of, like, that I that I do like in this sort of genre. Um, but it's just so underwhelming. So boring. Boring is the only word to describe it, really. And what I don't get is that, like, critically, this is, like, getting loads of, like, adoration. And I, d- I don't know what for. Like, it's d- it, there's nothing here. <laughs> it just, it it's another album where it feels like th- they're going through the mechanics of it, but there's no, th- there's nothing about the performance that makes you go, wow, like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, I'm getting this. Oh, like, lyrically, oh, this is exciting. There's just nothing. It's just, if everything blends into one, it sort of ends up sounding like, you, you know, like if like an AI did like a war on drugs <laughs> song and just, it was just endless. And like, I, I got like arcade fire vibes as well at times, but I feel like all of those other bands kind of have some energy about them. There's yeah. some sort of like, whether it's like a band that has like an amazing front man or like a, a band that just has some sort of dynamicness to them. And that, this, I was just like, what are we, there's nothing to grab onto. It was just, yeah, I, I feel like I've missed something here. Um, but watch Fran absolutely adore it now. Well, I'm just going to start by saying that Arcade Fire and War on Drugs are both terrible bands. So I'll just, just because you brought them up, I just, I just thought I'd better say it. But, um, but yeah, I'll talk about Wilco. I mean, I've never really listened to Wilco before, despite them being... You know, in Spotify, you get constantly recommended a band based on bands you like. Wilco, that yeah. one for me, they're always recommended to me. And I know that the National, 
who we know I love, have talked about them as an influence. Um, but the few songs I've heard before, they've always the bands they have made me think of are Bright Eyes and Pavement, who I'm yeah. less on board with. I'm not really into either of them. So when you picked this, Sam, to be honest, I was a bit pissed off. I was like, why have you picked Wilco? Um, I just didn't understand it. Um, I felt like if I was going to get into them, it would have happened by now. And I, I didn't realise they'd released that many albums. I kind of felt like this was probably a comeback album. I assumed it was going to be one of those late career albums which you couldn't really judge a band on. But I actually, I, I think there is quite a lot that I like about this album. I don't love it. And I'm not, I'm not here to like say it's amazing because I don't think it is amazing. But I think it opens well. I really do like the opening song, Infinite Surprise. I like the first four songs, actually. I like Ten Dead. I like Levy. I like Evicted. I think they're all quite catchy. Um, I think they're a bit too chirpy for me. They're a bit too chirpy for me. But I think they're clearly like, they're a good songwriter's band. They've got some, there's some really beautiful tunes, some really good production. And there is some interesting lyrics. And I really like, even though it's a weird name, I do really like the song, A Bowl and a Pudding. That is my favourite song on the album. And I think that's the only one that I would say is a really good song. I think it just builds really beautifully. And that's where I can see the influence they had on The National in a song like that. But then I think the album really peters off towards the end. I think the last few songs are just, they are forgettable. Um, And the other thing I would say about it is I had to keep reminding myself that this wasn't a classic album. Um, It feels like we're listening to a classic album. It doesn't feel like a current album. Um, And yeah, like a lot of the albums on this list, it wasn't one that I desperately wanted to return to when I wasn't listening to the playlist. It wasn't, oh, I need to listen to Wilco again. But... I did come away from it thinking I need to go and listen to their back catalogue. I need to go and listen to the classic albums that they talk about because I did like this. I did think it was a very pretty album. Um, so they've probably got some albums that I'd really like in, in the past. And you two are both far too harsh on it. It's a decent album, but it's not amazing. <laughs> That's my, ha- my Have you listened to the historical stuff yet? No, I haven't. No, no. Cause I'm Is not it- it's, like, it makes me want to listen to it. It doesn't make me desperately want to rush out and immediately put it on. Yeah, um, I'll get to it when things are a bit quieter in my life, probably. Yeah, that sort of thing. Um, so I probably will never listen to it, but I I do think I might. <laughs> I'll try and listen to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot because I've been meaning to for years, um, and I feel like after listening to this, I probably will like it. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Were you going to say something about them? Oh, it just feels very Fran. It feels it all feel, feels very Fran. Yeah. Not, okay. I'm not surprised that you like it. And the only slight thing that I think. That- no, you go ahead. I was just going to say, in the same way that Cherry Glazer is like fits a lot of yeah. my interests, and I give it a lot more benefit than out than most. I can mm. see you doing the same for this. <laughs> yeah, the only thing with Wilco that I think might hold me back from getting really into them is I don't really love his voice. Um, yeah, it's a little bit too whiny for me, and that's the same with like Bright Eyes and stuff like that. If I if I can't get on with the voice, but maybe he's just got old and whiny. Who knows? So yeah, I'll give him a go. Anyway, so what did we think of the playlist as a whole? Middling. Middling. There was a couple good, couple good albums, some okay albums, and some uh, less good albums. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they've just summed up every playlist we've ever done. Um, yeah, I thought it was really weird one actually because there was like, yeah. I quite liked everything, but nothing is really sticking with me. So it was like there, it wasn't there was not a thing on it that I needed to turn off immediately, but there's also nothing that I'm like I need to hear that album again. I need to buy that album. So it was a bit of a weird one in that respect. What yeah, I don't I don't think it was one of our best. I think it was pretty weak. 
um, saved by a very, very good album. Um, but on the whole, not my fave. It was better than the playlist that you two were both saying was amazing either last time or the time before, though. Just to pull that out there. Doubtful. But, um, it's our weakest yeah. playlist in a while, I think. No, I don't agree with that. Anyway, I'll just have a sip of my drink and then I'll talk about Hooray for the Riff Raff. <laughs> so, yeah, the why I love section. So, Hooray for the Riff Raff. Um, I'm trying at the minute to sort of switch between one of my why I love's been on, one that everyone will have heard of, and one being that one that might be lesser known. So who did I do last time? Eminem. So hooray for the riffraff. Probably not quite as well yeah. known as Eminem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to start, start talking about hooray for the riffraff by pointing out that I think this is the first time anyone's done a why I love on the podcast about an artist they actually discovered on the podcast. So hooray for the riffraffs, the navigator was actually a pick on the very first episode of Picky Bastards way back in 2017. So before your your guys' time, back then I was hosting the show with Nick and Nermal, and we were kind of just getting used to the rules of not talking to each other about any of the albums we were covering, so I was ridiculously strict about it. And I remember instantly falling in love with this album, but wanting to keep my feelings about it quiet until we recorded the show. And then I noticed that they were playing at Gorilla, um, and me and Kirsten, my partner, went to see them, and I was actually still working with Nick back then, and... Um, Nick asked what I was doing after work and I lied to him so I could run away to Gorilla <laughs> to watch Hooray for the Riff Raff. Um, so, cause I was just like, well, I've got to read the podcast. So I just lied and ran away. Um, and that, that show at Gorilla was absolutely incredible. Um, they just, they put on such a show and it felt like something that should be on a really big stage. And then I saw them at Green Man a few months ago, a few months after on a bigger stage, but in the middle of the day. And it was kind of just, justified they just needed to run around the stage um and yeah so the initial feeling i had for the album was really intensified um just got so much energy and power in their performance um and yeah it was really it was quite an exciting time for me musically as well as i'd sort of stagnated in the years before that in just you know i would listen to new music but only really new music by bands that i already knew or if i'd some if i discover a support act or someone at a festival. I wouldn't really go out looking for new music. So hooray for the riffraff really for me with the first act in a long time I discovered in such an exciting way and got so into so quickly. And and yeah, while I've been listening to this playlist for the last month or so, I've been I've been trying to sort of revisit what it was that really grabbed me in that in that way. And and a big part of that is is the song Balante. Um, Palante, Palante, uh, she seems to say, you, where's the Spanish expert, Matt? How do I pronounce it? Palante. Palante. Um, and I'd originally put Palante as the closing song on this playlist because they always close their live sets with it. And it's the perfect song to close a set. It's amazing. But I decided that it's actually such an important song in terms of understanding them as an artist and understanding why I love them that I need to put it right at the front because if you... You know, we don't always get to the end of this playlist. Let's be honest. Things happen. We don't always hear the songs at the end of the playlist. So, um, so yeah, Palante, so it means onwards or forwards. And, and it's a song really about sort of maintaining yourself, um, particularly as an immigrant in the face of persecution and discrimination. And I just think it really sums up everything about their message and their music. Um, but then it's also really, pre- really playful and creative. 
And I remember for the first time I I was playing it in the kitchen um, back when we were doing that first episode, and, and Kirsten came in and said that this it really reminded her of Bowie. That sort of you know the switching up structure, the changing the narrative, telling the story through a song, and and that really stuck with me because it. I think there are some elements of that Navigator album that really are very very influenced by Bowie. And yeah, that album as a whole was sort of a starting point for me getting back into music that has more of a message and a point to it, you know, music that's sort of a bit protest music like, um, and it also challenged me by forcing me to sort of listen to genres that I wasn't really listening to then. And then, yeah. And then I slowly dived into their back catalogs, um, their back catalog and, and, and that sort of getting into new genres really intensified. I think some of the songs on on this playlist even were the closest to country music I'd ever really listened to. But I feel like every song has some real weight behind it. Um, I think the closing song on this playlist now, Body Electric, for example, it has a really country feel, but it's a really powerful song, like calling for an end to violence against women, um, which you don't always hear as much power in a, in a sort of country song, I suppose. So I think, yeah, for me, the, the personality, the power in the songs has sort of gradually opened me up to all of their albums and, and they've slowly become one of my favourite artists. And yeah, and I think getting so into their music forced me to want to learn more about them uh, and that just made me even more interested in them, made me love them even more because, um, yeah, learning about sort of how the music, their music about the immigrant experience is actually focused on a topic that came to them quite late is really fascinating. I think... For a long time growing up, they'd kind of ignored their Puerto Rican heritage and, and then music and travel sort of was this huge part of them finding a way to connect to the heritage again. And that, and that's something I can really relate to in terms of I was not interested in my Indian heritage until sort of late in my 20s, really. And then travel and stuff made me made me change that and it's become a big part of my life. So I really relate to that part of their music. And I also just, uh, I learned a lot about how the topics in their music and the trauma in their music is is influenced by their lives. They were sort of, they were homeless for a long time um, and they found their community through sort of getting into protests, the protest culture and into punk music. So I just find it, I find them really fascinating and also they just make great music. And I think it's really interesting. They sort of, they came up through the punk and protest scene. And I think you can really feel a punk sensibility in their music, even though, Really, it's folk music, it's pop music, it's country music in the sound. So I think, yeah, I just think they're fascinating, powerful songs. I think there's there's a, a lot of heart in them. They've got a lot to say. A lot of the things I love in music summed up in, in this playlist, really. So, so yeah, that's why I love Hooray for the Riff Raff. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm really intrigued to hear what you both thought. I feel like Matt at least knew them a little bit, and I'm not sure Sam did. So maybe let's start with Matt. Sure. Yeah. I so I start with a live correction. This this is from uh, it was you had the album I think on episode two. It wasn't is the it first two. Episode. Yeah. Okay. I feel <laughs> like very might be wrong, but very important. But no, because I, I I have it in my notes. But I looked it up because I remember okay. listening to this album because well of done. the podcast. Okay. Um, and also also because I think the other albums on that podcast. Um, were the first Idols album, Loyal Corner, and Sampa the Great. Okay, um, really good players. I got introduced. 
to pretty much everything there. And mm. um, there's also just as a just as a recommendation, a fantastic story from Nermal about Neutral Milk Hotel. Um, yeah, yeah. which I won't yeah, yeah. spoil, but it is absolutely Get yourself a great story. too and say, listen to this crap. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, all of those bands, I feel like I keep up with now because of, okay. because of that. I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed the first album. Um, Palante is the best thing they've ever done. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean the other stuff is bad. It just means they have one truly amazing song and yeah. a bunch of really great songs as well. And so it was and fun to hear like a more curated playlist from you frank because it's mm-hmm. um i have i feel like i i kind of only dipped a little bit into some of the albums since apart from the most recent one i really enjoyed the most recent album i listened to that a bunch as well just to correct you there's only been yeah. one since all the other ones were before the navigator just as we're correcting people oh um, okay okay <laughs> okay yeah carry on so that's maybe why I haven't. I just hadn't yeah, yeah. dug back in. Yeah, that makes in. sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was really interesting to hear that context um, mm. and to hear the different styles that I've approached each album with. It makes a lot more sense to put them before because that you do get this coherent evolution mm. um, towards with like, but also just it's a coherent evolution with adding new styles and, uh, and the more like folky stuff is like all the way at the beginning and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. adding in this kind of this all the country and the bluegrass and then and more indie rock and then it gets the most more uh, new uh, newest albums and most got punk elements right yeah yeah and it was really fun to listen to uh, the breadth of work uh, in this um, stuff. yeah yeah it's good good playlist thank you brilliant sam where did you land yeah i i went in completely blind so i don't oh, remember completely. listening to yeah. that you're not, you're maybe i listen maybe i listened to the episode but maybe i didn't listen to the albums mm. um so yeah like none of this was in my library um but yeah, I agree with like everything you said, both of you. Um, I instantly that opening song, I was really engaged. Okay. Um, so kind of like powerful, like the way that the song builds and builds, and then they kind of like bring this energy in that last bit. I, I, you saying about like how that's like usually the final song of the show mm. makes a lot of sense. That really felt really emotional and kind of build, really enjoyed it. Um, but then my main thing was just like how genre all over the place this playlist was. They seemed yeah, to be yeah. like pulling from all of these different genres. Um, and it was really interesting to me to hear all of that. But then this consistency being this kind of central figure that manages to use their voice so interestingly in each of those styles. Like I really liked the songs that were from, I think it's the last album and mm. uh, like Rhododendron and Pre- Precious Cargo. Yeah. yeah. Got re- a real like bite to them and kind of reminded me more of the kind of uh, like the times when like Laura Marling does like a real, solo acoustic mm, yeah. song and there's kind of a lot of that sort of like talky singing thing but then other times the the vocals would be like really like expansive and like really really nice and kind of like 
there was like a really big scale to everything. And so I, I really enjoyed that. I feel like as a singer, they're so engaging um, and so many ways to use a voice um, mm. in, in, are shown off in this playlist i feel like i also enjoyed like the jazzier moments i feel like you haven't really meant like to me there was loads of bits that felt kind of a lot freer of like it would jump around with tempo and it would it would do like the the um the way that the instrumentation was done was really Mm. interesting um so yeah i'd like I, i feel like this is someone who I really need to dive into some of the albums. I know that there's like an album that was like announced while we've been listening yeah, to this. Yeah. Like coming out in February. Yeah. Um, so I, f- I feel yeah. like I need to go back and maybe listen to the last few, um, yeah. especially uh, the one, the Navigator that you were talking about. Yeah. Navigator is just like, Navigator yeah. is something special. It's kind of, you know, I, I like every album, but Navigator is. I mean, it's a concept album. It's it's just it's just fascinating. And I actually, yeah, the the last album, um, which I, I can't remember the name called. off the top of my head. Something about life on Earth. It took me a while actually, and, and I, I did because I think it was so different. Um, but yeah, I, I love that one now as well. And I think I think I do think I was pretty confident you would really like them, Sam. Um, so it's good to hear that. What that what through. like venues do they play now? Like if if it was Gorilla so I actually back saw in like them. 2017. Yeah, well, if you think about it, 2017, they released the Navigator, and then that I felt like that album was gonna sort of, it, you know, they were getting covered in the Guardian, they were getting a lot of articles about them, they were getting a lot of a lot of buzz, and then actually, well, at the time of the Navigator, um, they were still using the uh, she/her pronouns, and they came back with Life on Earth, and they were they them, so. Maybe that's something to do with why there was such a long gap between albums. Maybe there was a lot of figuring shit out, and obviously reading into her history a lot. I know there's been a lot of a lot of up and downs, but they kind of disappeared between those two albums. Yeah. So the venues, the venues didn't really change. Um, the same. Yeah. And then when I the actual it was when I was listening to you talk about the sort of genre hopping and stuff. Actually, the last time I saw them was just a few months ago, and they just did an acoustic set at, uh, at Yes. And okay. it was kind of the first time because I'd gotten to them at the Navigator and all the all the sets I'd seen had been these really full band, really hectic shows yeah, that were yeah. mainly focused on the Navigator and a few other songs. I then went to see them do that acoustic set and they played all the a lot of the stuff off this playlist that I thought I'd never get to see live. And it was that thing of just um yeah, that sense of what I was what an amazing artist who can do those massive, yeah, powerful yeah. shows where they're dancing all over the place and screaming. And then they can just come and sit with an acoustic guitar with one other person on the stage and be just as captivating. So yeah, they. I think I can't remember. They have announced the next tour. I think it's at Yes again. I think it's at the Pink Room again, but I'm not entirely sure. I'd need to check. But it's not big venues, so That's definitely cool. recommend hopefully, it. Hopefully, if they're doing regular releases, they can build build up some steam and yeah, it's, yeah. Six years is a long time for yeah, definitely momentum to keep going. And they feel quite niche in a way, though. It's like, I mean, not a lot of people necessarily want to. I mean, they're especially the last album. A lot of it was about, you know, the treatment of of refugees and the treatment of, you know, not everybody wants to listen to that, do they? A lot of people don't want to listen to music for their the politics. So I think sometimes those, a person like that does have a level sometimes, and that's kind of okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, great stuff. Anything else? Did, anyone, did I cut anyone off? Does anyone want to add anything else? Or are we done? No, we're good. Yeah. That was cool. great. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you both enjoyed it. Um, brilliant. Okay. Well, that's episode 70. So thanks for listening, everyone. And yeah, go and listen to Hooray for the Riff Raff and, and go and listen to the rest of the albums as well. But you might not listen to them again afterwards. It's, it's, it's up to you. <laughs> um, and also go and check us out on pickybees.com. There is 69 other episodes of this and, and Matt's just given a very heavy, heavy recommendation to episode two. Um, so check that one out. <laughs> um, and yeah, follow us on Twitter. We're at Picky Bastards. Am I allowed to call it Twitter still? Yeah, yeah. Am I going to get sued? Okay. The website formerly known as. Yeah. At some point we will be on somewhere else, but we're not currently. So just find us on Twitter. And otherwise, we actually, normally at this point, we would tell you what we're covering on the next episode, but we haven't got a clue because the next episode is going to be our albums of the year special and we haven't picked any yet. So come back in towards the end of December and we'll have a, we'll have another episode for you. Yes. Cheers, everyone, and thank you both. Yeah, see you next time. Bye.